Hi there. Thanks for checking out the New Life Speaker Podcast. All our speakers are recorded live at our AA meeting held on Friday nights at 8 p.m. at the Atonement Lutheran Church in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania. If you don't want to miss out on our newest upcoming speakers, don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. This podcast is self-supporting, so if you enjoy this podcast, please put a dollar or two into our virtual basket. The money goes towards the seven tradition and helps fund our meeting. You can find a link to this in the description. And if you know someone in need, please share this with them. Thank you. Okay, so I'm scared. Wait. Hey, Pete, bring my water bottle up here because I'm going to be spitting sparks within like three minutes because this always makes me nervous. Um, I am John. I'm an alcoholic. John. Uh, thank you. Um, I want to make amends. Uh, I was supposed to be here last Friday and uh, was sitting on my couch and at like 10 to 8. I looked up at the clock and said, when am I going to watch on TV? And that's when it popped in my head that I was supposed to be here. Um, so I was, you know, pretty upset about that, actually. Um, I don't like doing that kind of thing. But um, I got a call from Evan a few days later, and um, he asked if I wanted to redeem myself. So I said, yes, of course I do. So um, that's why I'm here. Um, let's start off in the beginning. <clears throat> um, Growing up at my house, there was always alcohol and, um, and speed. Um, my uncles, my dad, truck drivers, um, so they would take the speed, go on their little trips, come home, and then they would drink gallons of whiskey. And I mean gallons of whiskey, big bottles, long neck, gallons of whiskey. And it just seemed to be normal you know, growing up in a, in a household like that. Um, <clears throat> um, I remember my first drink, I must have been about <clears throat> five years old or so. Um, we lived on a second floor apartment building in Connecticut, that's where I was born. Um, and um, I remember the laughter of, haha, look at Johnny, he's staggering down the hallway. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. I've I've just have always remembered that. So growing up in that household, um, I mean, I never needed um, anything. Um, There was always food. There was always clothes. There was always that. Dad made sure he took care of of us first, and then he took care of his alcoholism afterwards. Um, In uh, 1972, we moved from... Meriden, Connecticut, down to Lewistown, Pennsylvania, which is about 30 miles south of State College. Um, moved into onto a street called Woodland Avenue, <clears throat> and all of my dad's brothers and sisters lived on that avenue, so I was surrounded by cousins and family members all around. Um, and uh, right around the time I was eight or nine, um, things happened that shouldn't happen to little boys. And um, 
and that's when I started to, um, uh, the first thing I did was I started smoking pot when I was 10. And um, because what I found out later um, in step work uh, was uh, I had shame and guilt because of it. You know, I wanted to blame myself um, and all that good stuff. So it never really, I never really stopped from 10. Um, uh, time I was 12, uh, acid, cocaine. Um, I was always sneaking beer though. There was always alcohol, was always involved. Um, and uh, in 1980, I think it was, we moved to uh, another part of town. And um, at the age of 15, um, my dad passed away when he was 46 from cirrhosis. Um, it was an ugly death, but that still didn't stop me. Um, I continued to do what I wanted to do. And once dad was, done, was gone, um, that meant I had free reign because I was the oldest boy I had two sisters, two older sisters, a younger sister, and a younger brother. Um, and I have an older brother um, who lives in Pittsburgh, He's to my dad's first wife. Um, so, so dad passed away on January 26th, um, 1982. And in June, June 3rd, 1986, I was in a car accident pretty bad when I broke, <clears throat> broke my neck and uh, broke my left leg. <clears throat> I tell you that because um, that night in the emergency room is when they shot me with Demerol and that's when I found my, my, my best friend. That's when I found the person I wanted to love for the rest of my life, I wanted to marry. And, uh, and for the next 25 years, um, it was just one big long shit show. Um, I broke my neck again five years later uh, in another car accident. I wasn't driving either time, um, but now I drive everywhere. Um, I don't let anybody drive. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I'm not going to sit here and go through a big long drug log and alcohol log and all the things that happened. Um, there's a lot of things that happened in my life. Um, I have no idea why I'm still standing here. Um, but yet I am. And I still haven't figured out what that reason is yet. But um, I'm getting older now, so it better come soon. Let me know what the hell I'm supposed to do. Um, <clears throat> So, on September 15, 2007, I uh, called my oldest sister and I said I had enough. I needed help. So I called her. Um, she told me she was waiting for that phone call for five years. And of course, <clears throat> I was surprised by that because, you know, I hid it so well, like the rest of us did. And, because, uh, <clears throat> you know, and I come to find out later that we're the last ones to find out, you know. And um, the doctor in the emergency room that night, um, 
spent over three hours looking for me a bed. And um, he found me one, and he came in and he asked me if I was ready. And I said, no. And he looked at me, and my sisters looked at me, because my other sister came to the hospital. And um, he asked me again, and I said yes. And um, so my sisters at 2 o'clock in the morning put me in the back seat of their car and drove me to Lancaster, which is an hour and a half away from where I live. And um, I went to White Deer Run. And um, I had no idea what rehab was. I had no idea what Alcoholics Anonymous was. Um, I, the only alcoholic I knew was my dad, and then the only alcoholic I knew before that was the guy in Mayberry FRD. You know, he's you know the guy that would always go in and lock himself every night, lock himself into the jail, and then get up and walk back out. Um, and that's it. That's all I knew. Um, so, so these two uh, these two texts kind of pulled me in and pulled me under their wing. And um, I'm forever grateful for those two guys, Mike and John. Um, they both passed away a few years ago. Um, John was a crackhead. <clears throat> he uh, flat out tell you that he was a crackhead. Um, he had no teeth. Every time he yelled at you, he'd spit on you. Um, and uh, Mike was a retired drill sergeant in the Marines. And that man taught me discipline, um, respect. And um, John taught me not to drag my knuckles anymore. Um, and what I would later figure out is that's what they did is what I wanted to do. Um, so I began my journey on September 16, 2007. I got out 30 days later, I went home, stood outside the meeting because I was afraid to go in um, because somebody might recognize me. Like I never hid my alcoholism and my addiction, so why the hell would I worry about it now? But I did. Um, I stood for 20 minutes outside that meeting before I walked in. And when I walked in, it was in a trailer. It's about half the size of this room. Um, and I walked in and there was a guy that I used to party with all the time and he was laying down and his legs were towards the door. His back was against that wall and he was reading his book. And his book was just covered and highlighted and, and everything. And I, I instantly felt, I don't know if I want to say hope, but I instantly felt secure, safe. <clears throat> and... Um, Three months or so later, the guy that was actually chairing that meeting was my first, became my first sponsor, and I had no idea. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and uh, we immediately got into step work. Um, and it was in the other, um, the other fellowship, I'm gonna say step working guide that they have and um, 
it was a journey. Um, the guy I picked, <laughs> um, the guy I picked was like 12 years younger than me. He had bull ring, his nose, um, earrings, rings on all his, finger, all his fingers. Um, he's a musician and complete opposite of what I would have thought that I wanted as a sponsor. Just, but the town that I grew up in was so, the recovering community was so small that um, the pickings weren't all that great. And if you wanted to do 90 and 90, you had to go to both fellowships. Um, so for more than 90 and 90, I went to both fellowships. Um, I uh, went back to work in the sheet metal plant. Uh, I was punching holes in sheet metal for, oh, I don't know what the hell it was, $16 an hour. And then somebody in the local um, rehab came to my home group. And, um, and I got to know some of the guys there. Um, I got to know some of the people that worked there, and the one lady who was in charge of the BHTs, CAs, BHTs, whatever you want to call them, um, asked me if I wanted a job as a driver because I had just been laid off from my from my job. They were moving the company back over to Germany, and everybody in my town lost their job, about 200 people. And um, I said, sure. Um, and that's when my uh, my journey into trying to help the other, the next person, um, that's when it began. Um, the first first trip I took, um, I took a guy to Pittsburgh um, to get teeth. I took him to go to the dentist. He was had to get his teeth. Um, Second day, I took a guy to Philadelphia to go to court. Um, third day, I drove to Erie to pick up a guy. And um, the fourth one was way up above Scranton. So I was in my first week, I was in every corner of the state of Pennsylvania. And, um, and I loved it. I loved it. I got to talk with those guys. I got to talk recovery with those guys. <clears throat> and it really had an impact on my life. So it wasn't long after that I was asked to uh, to become a tech. So I didn't have to drive the van anymore, but uh, I had to drive the big 15 passenger van every day, you know. But but that's when um, that's when life got. I think your group here is new life, and I was thinking about that this morning. Um, I do have a new life. Um, the life before was just, you know, how am I going to survive the next day? Um, Like I said, we didn't want for anything, we didn't need for anything, but there was still something missing that just wasn't right, and I don't know what it was. There was a hole somewhere, and I just couldn't tell you what that was. And uh, 
found out that when I started to talk with these patients, clients, whatever you want to call them, um, it filled me. It made me feel good about myself. Um, I got out of my head for some of my worries and things that I was, you know, worrying about and um, scared about, had fear. Um, and for the next three years, I worked for uh, Pyramid Healthcare. They were based out of uh, Belleville, Pennsylvania. Um, I I have goosebumps everywhere right now. It's crazy. Somebody's talking to me. I don't know who it is. <laughs> um, so my journey has found this wonderful path that I'm on, and. I can only give it up to my higher power. Um, when I got into recovery, when I got into the rehab down there, they said I had to have a higher power, and I had no idea. See, I wasn't—I didn't grow up with any kind of religion. Um, uh, I remember getting kicked out of Sunday school. Me and my cousins—we just went up there to raise hell. We didn't—we um, didn't go there for anything else other than that. Um, and I remember one day um, the Jehovah Witnesses used to come down to our block and you would see them coming at the end of the street and you could see all the doors close on the, on the avenue, right? And my dad opened the door. And I distinctively remember this. I don't know why my dad got naked. Um, had a beer in one hand, a cigarette in the other, and told him to get out of here. We were atheists. And uh, I don't know that I ever saw them come up on our porch again. <clears throat> but um, so that was my understanding of what, whatever a higher power or God was or, or whatever it was, I didn't know. So I remembered back a few days before I asked my, before my sister took me to rehab, um, I was laying at work at lunchtime on this big slab of concrete, and I was laying down, and I had my head up, looking up um, at the sky. I was laying on my back, and this bald eagle flew directly over top of me, like from here to the ceiling away. I swear it was that close. Um, and I don't know what happened. But as soon as they said I needed a higher power, that was the first thing I thought of was that bald eagle. So that bald eagle became, in essence, what my higher power was. Now, obviously, over the last 16, almost 16 years, um, it has definitely evolved into something way bigger and way better and um, uh, more lovable. I mean, just everything it just builds and it's just so beautiful it's just so beautiful um, and being left living on my own 
um, there were moments when uh, uh, a beer and a shot of whiskey and some oxys would do really well. Because I mentioned that I had broken my neck a couple times, I was I also had four operations, and I'm in constant pain all the time now. Since the age of 15, I'm 56, so however long that is, I don't know. I'm not very good at math. Um, and I found that my higher power had helped me get through those moments um, because I was by myself. And I'll tell you a quick story. My, <clears throat> I went to rehab. Before I went to rehab, I used to go and I used to take my mom to CBS and pick up her prescriptions, which were almost the exact same as mine because she had, um, her spinal column had been decalcifying and she's been, she, she was like this by the time she passed away. She lost like seven or eight inches tall. Um, so she was in a lot of pain all the time as well. And um, so when I got home for rehab and I said, Mom, I cannot go to CVS and pick up those pills anymore for you. I can't do it. She said, okay. So about two months later, will you go pick up my prescriptions? Mom, if that one's in there, I'm not going to get it. Oh, no, it's not there. Okay. So I went out. I picked them up. I don't look at them. I throw them on the front seat of my car. And sure enough, doesn't the bag open up? And the first words I can see is morphine. And I start to panic. <clears throat> so I did what I was told was taught. Um... I called the first person on my list. And I started the car, got on the phone, started driving home, or to mom's. First person on my list didn't answer, so I left a message. Called the second person on my list, and I'm still driving. Didn't answer, left a message. Called the third person on my phone list. Didn't answer, I left a message. Now, you know, it's a long time to take, you know, phone call, let it ring 20,000 times, and then leave a message after the person on their talks, you know. Um, and this happened five times. And as I was leaving the last message, I was pulling into my mom's house. So whether you think it didn't work or not, it worked. Because I went in, I threw those stuff down. I said, I got to go, Mom. I got out to my car, and my phone is blowing up from them five people. Yeah, that's how this thing is supposed to work. Not the way I think it should. Because I get at just we're screwy, Louie and Dewey up here, man, I'm telling you. Um, but that's how it worked for me that day. And there's one more of those moments that happened, and that was before I asked the sponsor I had to be my sponsor. Um, I was in my apartment. All the blinds were pulled. All the curtains were closed. It was dark. <coughs> TV was on. 
DVD player was on repeat with Man on Fire. Good movie, right? I know every word to that movie. I'm telling you right now. Um, and I kept hearing those guys from the rehab, the meetings that they took us in Lancaster. And it was always the AA guys. It was always you guys. This is what I did when I relapsed. This is what I did when I relapsed. The isolation. The depression. All of it. I heard it back here. And I took a deep breath. And I looked. And the curtain moved. And it showed the steeple of the church where the AA meeting was. So a block away from my house. I had no excuses. And that was the night I asked my sponsor to be my sponsor. Um, and we still have a relationship. Um, he, <clears throat> he said, we're not doing the long distance shit whenever I moved down here um, 13 years ago. Um, so I had to find a sponsor here. And when I moved down here, um, the first meeting I came to was the 815. And um, there was this huge guy that sat against the wall. And for a short time that I was here, um, I was working uh, second shift. <clears throat> what happened was my soon-to-be soon wife got a job at Karen. And I transferred from the rehab that I was working, the pyramid, back in Belleville, Pennsylvania. I transferred to the one in Quakertown. So, this guy was just huge, but his heart was so, like, huge, too. Um, he was a, his name was Marty. Um, his, uh, His love for um, eggs in a coffee cup. We used to go right up here to and get um, breakfast every after every 8:15 meeting. And um, one day I was going to work. I had transferred to Karen by then. I started working there, and um, one of my friends, Keely. I'm sure there's some of you guys know who Keely is. Um, she was standing where I pulled in I was going in for a training and uh, she told me that Marty had been killed by some strange accident and I was devastated just devastated and um, and what's the first thing I do I call I mean that's what you guys taught me to do when something like that happens I have to call somebody and I called my old sponsor and um we worked through it together. Um, it's left to my own devices, man, I can't. So, so then I had to find another sponsor. And I immediately went to one of the guys that used to go to breakfast with us every morning. His name was Jeff. And I had him for most of my time down here. And um, they were good days. I got transferred to first shift. 
Um, so I could no longer come to the 815 except for on the weekends. Um, but life was looking good. Recovery is such a blessing in my life. Um, I, uh, I met the best girl in the world. Um, and I'm telling you, I have the best girl in the world. So all you guys out there, you're all looking for second place because I got her. Um, and we decided to move in together. Um, she got a job at Karen. I finally got a job at Karen. Um, life was looking good. We bought a house. Um, we decided to get a dog. So now we have two. Um, we had five guinea pigs, but now we have two. Because, you know, they get old. Um, but I have what they always say, and I always hated to hear, was I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. I said, like, no, you don't. Um, I do. I do, and it's because... It's because of those and those. Um, I learned how to forgive. I learned how to love a person where they are. I learned how to love me. Because um, I never really did. You know, I didn't know how. I mean, um, yes, I was my mom's first boy, and yes, I'm a mama's boy, and, um, but dad was never, dad was always there, but he was always drunk, and there was no, I don't know that I've ever had a complete conversation with him growing up. But this new life um, has been such a blessing for me in my little family that I have down here. <clears throat> um, which brings me to how these steps, first of all, um, I had to get another sponsor because I, like, I felt like I needed more. Um, I had never gone through the steps in the AA book. I've only ever done them in the NA workbook. So I decided that I needed a new sponsor. I had been going to the men's retreat for some time since, ever since I moved down here, I've been to, to every year. Now I'm on the committee. And um, we were downstairs, pool tournament was going on. And I see this, what looked to be a tough old um, geezer, um, bike rider kind of guy. And um, I was like, well, that's pretty different from me. Maybe he can show me something. Um, and um, so I went around. Of course, I went and I asked, I think I asked Tom. I asked uh, a couple other guys. I said, what's, what's the deal with this dude over here? And they're like, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. And uh, I'm like, all right. So... Make, 
commitment that far, I actually, you know, asked about him. So I went up and I asked him to be my sponsor, and sure enough, he said yes. So now I have a new sponsor. He took me through the steps, the AA way. Um, I'm guessing that since my anniversary is coming up, we're going to be doing my fourth step again, um, which is cool with me. Um, he is a biker dude, but he's not a tough guy. He's, he's a gentle giant kind of thing. Um, he's got more knowledge uh, than, about this stuff than I do, and um, I just love him to death. And, uh, and I'm not saying all that shit because he's sitting back there. I'm not saying that. That's not why I'm saying it. Um, I'm saying it because it's true. It's true. He's a good man, and uh, I'm lucky. I got lucky. If you don't think your sponsor is the best one, my guess is you'd probably find another one. Um, and he hasn't met my wife yet, and I'm trying to get them to all go to the baseball game on the 31st, so let's see if we can do that. But anyhow, um, so the reason I'm saying all that is, is that some really, 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 really bad things have happened to me over the last seven years almost seven years. Um, 2016, I lost a daughter, um, which is the worst pain anybody would ever want to feel. I don't wish it on anybody. Um, made it to the hospital and I went into the, to the room where, where they were and my wife was crying, said she was gone. And I held my wife um, while, while she collapsed. Um, and what's the first thing I did? I went outside that hospital and I called my first sponsor. First thing. Because that's what you taught me. I learned how to get through those things because of you people because I listened, I took suggestions. I remember the first suggestion my first sponsor ever told me, he says, I want you to go buy a flower and stand outside of sheets and give it to the first person. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I want you to do that. Well, if you all know anything about Lewistown, Pennsylvania, there are a bunch of, um, let's say mean ass bikers. We'll just put it like that. Um, so for six months, I didn't do that. <laughs> and then just one day out of the blue, I walk into Sheets and I go and I pay for my stuff. And there's those little roses that they have right beside the counter. And I was like, screw it. Picked one up. I walked outside. And the first person that walked out, biker. I said, sir, I'm supposed to give this to you. He said, well, I thank you. I thank you a whole lot. We talked for a little bit. I got his number. Didn't know that he was in recovery. I had no idea. I had no, you know. So I finally told my spot. I was like, why'd you make me do that? And he said, I wanted to see what you were willing to do for your recovery. Okay. So when my daughter passed away, um, 
It wasn't easy. I didn't run to the bottle. I ran to meetings. Um, she died on September 29th. And on September 30th of that year, um, which is funny because it's the same time as this year, um, the recovery walk happened. And for something pushed me to go to that the next day. And I went to the recovery walk and I walked around the corner of Reading, um, of Rack um, Community College and I walked around the corner and they're standing facing me. Everybody else's face is towards like Penn Avenue, right? I'm coming around the backside of, of Reading and there's a guy standing there and he's looking right at me as I come around the corner. His name's Bob Schwartz. Me and Matt, me and that man laughed and cried the whole way up to City Park for a sober stop. And that was the day I knew I was going to be okay. Because I wasn't sure how it was going to be. I really wasn't. Um, and it turns out it it, it turned out to be okay. Um, and that was the first of many of my family members um, passing away during my recovery. Um, when, my, when my mom passed, <clears throat> um, I live in Wommelsdorf. My mom lived back in Lewistown and um, I got a call from one of my sisters it was Kim I believe my oldest sister um, they said mom's in trouble they're flying her to Danville can you get there we won't make it in time and I was like yeah she said and you can do whatever you need to do you have our permission So of course I hop in my truck and I fly to Danville because it's closer to go to Danville from here than it is from there. And um, I got there and um, they asked me if they could you know, pull the plug. And I said no because I was selfish self-centered. I didn't want to let my mom go. She's my mom. I want her here. And then I took a step back. I prayed. It was me and my wife were the only two there. <clears throat> and I gave them permission to do what they had to do. To let my mom go. That doesn't happen if I'm not in recovery. It doesn't. My sisters would not even consider calling me. I'm a true believer that they would have waited until after the fact. Because my... I was one messed up boy, let me tell you. 
Um, and I got through it. I called. I called Nate one more time. I always seem to run to Nate when it really gets deep. I don't know why. Probably because everything I put on my four-step, he said he did. I don't know. Um, and then my oldest sister who called me to tell me to take care of mom, um, she passed. And once again, I was left at Geisinger Medical Center with me and my wife and nobody around, and I had to give that permission as well. Both of them were a blessing, I'm here to tell you. I was honored to do that. It's because of recovery, I was honored to do that. I have a life beyond my wildest dreams because of recovery, and I got to let two of the most beautiful people in my life, I got to let them, to let them go to where they're in no more pain. I'm sure my mom is no longer like this. I'm sure she's standing high and proud. She's up there with her grandson that passed away when I was 16. My little nephew was playing with paper airplanes and he threw him and his little cousin, they threw a paper airplane out into the road and he ran out and got hit by a truck. in 84 so there was you know but once I got to be able to come and meet people like you I mean Nate's in this room Travis is in this room Stan's in this room all these people that I got clean with in the beginning are in this room y'all just have a different face and y'all have a different name but you're still my family. I'm still here for anybody. And I know if I got something going on, I can come to anybody in this room, whether you know me or not. Because if I'm desperate enough, I'm gonna ask you. But I don't think I called Nate after my sister passed. I think I called Pete. first time I didn't call Nate it's because I trust Pete um, even though he's a Raiders fan um, he explained that to me I still don't understand why you know it's, it's last name it's just yeah whatever um, but um I've been down here for 13 years. Um, I've worked at Karen for 11. I've met a whole new bunch of people. Um, when I first moved down here and I went to that first meeting downstairs, um, I felt like a newcomer. I had three and a half years clean, sober. I still felt like a newcomer, man. I didn't know anybody. 
but I was welcomed by you guys. Um, and so the last the last story I'm going to tell um, has to do with my son. He's 29 years old. He's been married three times and has two kids to two, two different women. Um, he's been to Karen twice. He's been to Father Martin twice. And four days ago, I took him to detox again. Um, this trip was different because I spent two hours with him in the car on the way there. He had a fifth of whiskey with him or a fifth of vodka. Um, and he was already wasted already gone um and for the first half he was all right for the second half i found out um how bad of a father i was for his entire life um and i agreed with him because the first half of his life i was i was like not present And it was tough to hear. But I had made what I thought I had made amends. Um, after he went through the steps, um, he made his amends, so I thought we were okay. But um, it's funny, though, um, every time he's in trouble, he knows who to call. I'm always the person that he calls. Like when he got the first girl pregnant, I was the first one he called. Um, when I said congratulations, I'm going to be a grandfather, he was like, "Oh, I thought you were going to be mad." I called you first because I know mom's going to be mad. Um, he's doing 120 up I 81, and he's calling me on the phone saying that he's out of meth and he's gonna pull over now and talk to me. And he kept driving and hung up the phone. You know, those kinds of calls that no parent wants. Um, I'm okay with it today. Still bugs me a little bit, but I'm okay with it. Um, we don't have much of a relationship. We live a hundred miles apart. I call, I text. Um, nine times out of ten, I don't get a response or an answer. Um, I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming me. It's just how it is for right now. But what I understand, Monday he's going to go back down to Father Martin, um, which I'm grateful for. <clears throat> but when the counselor called me from the detox, I said, um, Father Martin's probably not what he needs. He's not going to be able to learn anything that, you know, he already knows, that kind of thing. I said, he needs to go to sober living for a long time. And she agreed. 
Um, but you know the steps. The steps and some <laughs> some of you don't know, some of you do. Um, I married a counselor. Um, I recommend that um, you don't. Because <laughs> um, she calls me out on my bullshit more than Pete does. Um, and when she calls me out on it, she makes sure you need to go tell Pete. So, I mean, I've had my, I've had my uh, things go, you know. Um, but she has, uh, she has a way of saying things, and um, you know, she's not, she's not in recovery, but. Uh, she has taught me more about recovery than anybody has ever. Um, she's that good. She's that smart. Um, and if it wasn't for her, I don't know that I would be standing here today. Um, so I give it. A, I, I give her all the. I mean, she's like I said. You guys are looking for second place. I got first. Um, so how is it now? <laughs> um, I continuously have my life beyond my wildest dreams, and it's because of this program. It's because um, it's because I surrendered. Um, and I won. Um, I know a lot of people don't quite grasp what that means, but what it means to me is, is the best the best analogy, I guess, or whatever word that is. Um, you could say that how surrender, how do you win at surrendering? Um, I'm a huge Civil War nut, so when so when Lee surrendered the grant at Appomattox, um, Jefferson Davis wanted Lee to continue to fight and do guerrilla warfare kind of stuff. And Lee said no. Um, he wasn't going to do that. Um, when Lee surrendered, he saved lives. And I think that's what we do. When we surrender this program, and do the things that we're supposed to do. We help the next person. Um, we help the newcomer that comes in the door. We're saving lives. And I believe that, um, I've always believed that we're all angels. Because God always brings broken people to fix broken people. And it says we have to carry a message in the 12th step. And who's better to carry messages of hope and love than angels? And that's why we're all angels. Normal people suck. No, normal people just don't know. They don't know. 
what we get to do. We get to start over. We get to take a step towards oh shit. Like we get to take that step. Um, that they don't they don't know about. All they know is what they hear on TV or see on TV, and all that is is the ninth step. All you're just making amends. No. There's a lot more to it than that. Um, So, I didn't think I could go for the whole hour, but I guess I did. Um, um, So, I want to thank you all for being here. Um, Thank you, Evan, for asking me again, because I didn't come last Friday. Thank you, Pete, for being my sponsor. Um, and uh, sleep well. Thank you. Thanks for checking out this episode of the New Life Speaker Podcast. Please remember that our group is self-supporting through the seventh tradition. Donations can be made by clicking the link in the description below, or they can also be found on our website, newlifespeakers.org. Tune in next week for a new speaker, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button to be notified when we upload a new episode. Thanks for listening. Uh